Hey, thanks a lot for listening to this program, Chris Fabry Live. I want to let you know that in the program, you're going to hear music that we've had to edit out for uh, copyright reasons and restrictions. We cannot play those songs for you. So thank you for understanding. There's something about her music, something about her voice. And there's something good about the heart of Sarah Groves. And that is going to come through loudly and clearly today at the Radio Backyard Fence as we welcome this artist, this song designer. There seem to be some people who are born singing a song and their lives are this long obedience in the direction of a melody that they get others to sing. And I look for those kind of people. And when I find one, well, it makes me want to be one. So today we're going to move away from everything that is raging, all the questions that we have in the world today, and there's an awful lot of them and all the hustle and the bustle, and we're just going to listen to some music and have a conversation with Sarah Groves. That's my agenda today on Chris Fabry Live, and this program is pre-recorded. Don't call us today. We actually had this conversation a year ago in November, the 25th of November, we had Sarah come along with us and uh, had this conversation. So don't call us. Here's the truth for you. God loves you. And he's given his love for you, provided for you. And his gift is a child wrapped in rags, crying in a manger. And he is headed ultimately toward a cross and a tomb that will be found empty. He emptied his love for you and me and did not grasp equality with God. Instead, he grasped the finger of Mary, his mother, and the finger of Joseph, God in a diaper. (laughs) Too much to take in, I think. Thanks to Ryan McConaughey and uh, Tricia McMillan, who are helping out behind the scenes. You'll find us online at chrisfabrylive.org, and you'll see an album link there called Joy of Every Longing Heart. It's by our guest, Sarah Groves. The unmistakable voice of Sarah Groves talking about the greatest thing that ever happened in history, that God came to live among us. Rejoice. There's reason for rejoicing today. That's from her new album. You can find it at chrisfabrylive.org. Joy of Every Longing Heart is the title of it. Of course, you know, that comes from a Christmas song. We'll talk about that. Sarah, how in the world are you today? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I had several people saying, you've got to do this artist and Christmas album. You got, and I said, I've got one by Sarah Groves. I've got to do Sarah Groves. <laughs> and I want to talk about your piano because you are at the art house today there in, in St. Paul, where you and your husband and your kids are, you live in that neighborhood and you, you do life together and you do art together. Uh, but I mentioned that piano that, that is on the album. There's a there's something special about your piano. Tell us about it. Well, it was here when we bought the art house. It's just a, an old upright. And uh, as, as close as we know, it, it's uh, from the early 1900s, built in the early 1900s. Um, but it just was here. The one downstairs um, of the art house is all, most of the keys are broken. So I wasn't expecting much when I first sat down to it. But it's one of the most emotive instruments I've ever played. And on Abide With Me, we decided to track all the piano parts on it. And when I first heard it, I thought, "Is there's so much going on. You hear this, the kind of, I call it the foof, foof, <laughs> but the, 
the hammers, you can hear the hammers kind of rubbing against each other. And when you have it all mic'd up, there's a lot of uh, personality to this piano. And uh, I think it really shaped um, Abide With Me, even the song Abide With Me. Um, uh, the, it just kind of has, a, I don't know, I think the piano has a bit of lament in it as well. So uh, so I loved having it on this record as well. It's just been a very... Um, for me, creative place to be. When I come over to the art house and there's no one here, I sit down at this piano and it calls things out of me because it's got such a great, um, I don't know, I just feel all the years in it. Yes, the the hopes and fears of all the years. Uh, I think it was Doyle Dykes who told us about it. He's a guitar player and he told us about he'd go into the studio and th- put on new strings to record with, and they'd say, no, 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 put the old ones on. The old ones are better to record with. They've got more character and more of uh, living, in, in a sense, rather than having the brand new strings. And it sounds like the the piano, in a strange way, is kind of the same thing. Yeah, and I think that's a trend in general, where we used to want to go as hi-fi as possible. Now, mimicking, copying lo-fi is <laughs> is mm-hmm. more the goal. We want to hear the record scratch. We want to hear the little pulses that, that came with vinyl, really. So yes. um, we're kind of almost going back in that regard, but being able to play this piano as it is here and to look out into the sanctuary and think of it full of people and the history of people singing here is um, is really neat and full circle for me when when we're tracking. For those of, who don't know about the art house there, it was kind of patterned after Charlie Peacock's place in Nashville, right? It is, yeah. And our um, Charlie always told me, you won't have a good elevator speech because there's so much that, that goes on at art house, and, and that's been true. But uh, our our shared motto is creative community for the common good. And uh, under that umbrella, we've had a million experiences and a lot of joy. Uh, but you don't sell coffee. You don't do lunch there, right? Okay. So make an attempt. <laughs> yes. It is pretty much a community art center. Um, we have, we host theater, uh, theater company works out of here. We have concerts, that kind of thing. About quarterly, Troy and I host a conversation. It's always um, artists respond to and then a topic. And we have artists come in and, and they just respond to that. It started after um, Sandy Hook, after mm-hmm. the events in Sandy Hook. And we just called on five people because I felt like I needed space to process some of the things that were happening in our communities. And so um, we had a dancer, a cellist, a poet, a friend of ours in theater, um, and a songwriter. And from there, that night became one of my favorite events that we host here, uh, Artists Respond to and then fill in the blank. So um, yeah, we we have a lot of uh, neat community events that happen here as well that are just born from the neighborhood and from people's ideas. And so we're shepherding quite a bit. Um, We're sharing the building with a lot of people, and then we host things as well. And between last November and this December, a lot has been going on in the world of Sarah Groves and in that community that she's been in, in Minnesota. This is Chris Fabry Live. Merry Christmas. I hope this is just a breath of fresh air for you today to hear the words and the music of Sarah. You're hearing her heart come through today. If you go to the website, you'll see our featured resource, her Christmas album that was new last year, Joy of Every Longing Heart. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org to find out more. And we'll hear more from Sarah Groves straight ahead.
Sarah Groves is with us on Chris Fabry Live. Her new album for Christmas is Joy of Every Longing Heart. That's it right there. That's where it comes from. Joy of Every Longing Heart from Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And uh, it's our featured resource. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. Sarah, um, that uh, is it safe to say some of the songs like we just played, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, you recast them in a way, but you left Heiford all alone. <laughs> Why'd you leave it alone? I did. Um, well, the first one, Ocom, was, was uh, retuned by a friend of mine, John Mark Nelson, who produced the record, uh, both Abide With Me and this last Christmas record, Joy of Every Longing Heart. Uh, but some of these melodies, you know, I, I try to strike a balance between things that you find familiar and then uh, sometimes you want to take a new stab at something because it feels like an old furniture. You've walked by it so many times, you maybe have lost um, the ability to hear the lyric. And uh, But with this one, it's such a beautiful setting already, like you said, and needed to be left alone. The text is by Charles Spurgeon, um, looking around at his uh, his world and in, his, in the moment he was living in. Uh, it was really uh, a moment he was struck by um, the treatment of orphans and widows in his community and was in a place of lament and longing, which is so much of this record is found at that pre-dawn space, that waiting, waiting, and uh, and writes this unbelievably beautiful lyric that includes that Christ is is the joy of every longing heart. And um, so, uh, yeah, I had to leave the the tune alone. Yeah. <laughs> But I think the, even the way that you, you've left the tune alone, but it's a little bit different arrangement of it, it, gets, it shakes us in a sense and gets us to listen to the lyrics even more, to take a, a new look at the old, old story in a sense, right? I hope so. I, I love doing that. I've been doing that for a long time with different hymns. Uh, I've always had some kind of song on each record that is reflective of a hymn and um, yeah, and trying to take this idea that maybe you've heard and you've sung it, uh, and maybe you've sung it so much that it becomes like background noise to you, and to to bring it to the front, like uh, on the last Christmas album, um, to to say, "Oh, holy night!" You know, he appears and the soul feels its worth, or a line like that, um, or that he's the joy of every longing heart, um, and hopefully have it come past you in a way that where you hear it fresh and you hear it in a way you haven't haven't heard it in a while. And you mentioned Spurgeon. He had a really rough life, and his wife was a, a huge part of his ministry. You cannot separate the, the two of them. We've talked about that here before. But he, dealt, he struggled with depression. He struggled with physical infirmity and, and struggles. And I think some, in some ways we think that all of these great Christians of yesteryear, they had it you know, a lot easier and they could deal with these lofty theological things. No, it was, it was done in the middle of the muck and the mire. Absolutely. In this this place of longing uh, where we are supposed to be in this already but not yet space where we've seen uh, Christ revealed, God has shown him himself, and yet we are waiting for all things. You know, he, he's he's reconciling, doing this reconciling work, and we're, we're participating in it, but we're also, we're waiting. Uh, and so um, I find his lyric writing and, and the way he phrased things very human. He, he was looking at the human experience, and he was 
um, in this song inviting, you know, come, you're, we're waiting on you. We're waiting to see the reality of what we believe that we've not been waiting in vain, that this, this long wait has not been in vain. And, um, and so many of these songs orient in that space. That's why the cover is really the colors of dawn, because, uh, the, many of the songs found themselves in this pre-dawn space where all the players are set, you know, uh, Mary is great with a child, um, the even the O come O come Emmanuel is from the O antiphons that the are are said leading up to Christmas Day, um, and uh, that they say that that O represents Mary pregnant. <laughs> mm. She was a she was great with child. He was invisible and yet very physically there, um, and has been with us from as we read in John from the beginning of time, and yet we have this. Uh, this longing dynamic, especially at Advent, we lean into this um, this idea that we there is something invisible that we believe is of not just great import, but is of the most importance, of highest importance, um, and is part of our very salvation. And yet, it is invisible to us, and we wait for its full manifestation. And so, um, I mean, like you said at the top of the show, who could? We could tell this story a million ways, a million different times. It, it bears up under an inf- infinite number of retellings. And uh, who could understand this God who comes as a baby? It's just, it's just too wonderful to really understand. And then the the longing, the joy of every longing heart, the longing that that we have. I feel. Uh, see if you can track with me here. I feel like uh, we long for too little. We, our, mm. our longings are really not the longing that I have is for comfort. The longing at mm. comfort and joy, you know, I want a nice Christmas. I want a Thanksgiving, you know, just thawing out the turkey. I put it in the in the refrigerator. I want a nice turkey and a nice smell, and nobody arguing and nobody arguing politics and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because I want my ni- life to be nice. And I don't know that God is <laughs> is there to give me that or if that really is what I need most in my life. My right. longing is a lot deeper than um, that you you make all those things happen and I'll find something else to long for, you know. Yeah. That's that's a great. I mean CS Lewis touches on that idea many times that our our desires and they're rooted in these bigger desires, these these greater longings, but you have someone like Spurgeon who comes along with all of his infirmities, all of his frailties, his depression, and he writes that into the narrative, you know, that God is the God who sees us even in those places that are like you said are our sort of temporal comforts aren't necessarily the thread or the plot <laughs> of the story in um there is a greater story at work. And yeah, those moments when we tap into that bigger story, that bigger narrative, and and our, our desires are kind of kicked up a notch from, yeah, just that turkey to, um, <laughs> oh man, God is, he's at work. He's, he's doing something uh, much larger. And, and, uh, and I get to, I get to be involved in it. That's, um, yeah. Then I think those moments are transcendent. Those are I like Advent for that reason. I think when I am, when I do some sort of preparation throughout the month, because December is so crazy, um, but the day hits, it hits in a way that it doesn't, you know, otherwise. But um, sometimes I don't get to that till January. <laughs> mm, yep, exactly. Well, and the little longing, I'm not saying that the longings are bad or the little longings no. are bad. 
it's the, the let the, allow the little longings to lead you to the bigger longings, the big longing that we really have, and that is reconciliation. I think of the reconciliation. I'll finish the word. I think of the the um, the father waiting for the prodigal and mm-hmm. standing there day after day after day, and the longing that he has is not simply for return. It is for completion, you know, it is, is for the, the good of his own son, not just for his own. Yeah. And I think there's a, uh, there's a lot to that. Um, let me, Sarah Groves is our guest today and I want to play some of her songs, even one that we were just uh, talking about there, a couple of them that we could play right now, but I've got to go to Sandra in uh, Chicago. Hi, Sandra, go right ahead. Good afternoon. Thank you for your show. And Sarah, um, what you're talking about today, I'm going to get emotional. Um, I'm, be, I'm a little older, and I, I remember when this was called Advent time, not Christmas already. Mm-hmm. And I think many of us Christians forget that there's a preparation, that we know that Jesus has come, and we're very fortunate of it. But those who don't think this is all about Santa and too worldly for me. Um, and I appreciate what you're doing. I do think if we brought back the word Advent or preparation time, I think Christmas would be more joyful. Yeah. Uh, we've fallen into the world, and sometimes we forget we're in the world, but not to be of it. And I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you very much. May God continue your journey, mm. and thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah. And that, I think she's hitting on something of, of that preparation. There is some, you know, even hearing the songs that you've, you're talking about, there's another one that's on the album uh, called We Wait. And I wonder if you could set that up. What, what are you talking about with We Wait? Well, again, a lot of the songs on the record seem to be um, pointing towards this this moment right before dawn. So we feel the dawn coming, but we're still in this place of waiting. And um, and I was reading about um, December, the month of December. It is the month of the longest night, um, mm-hmm. and it's dark. And it, by its nature, it forces us to um, to have this a bit of a hibernation. Now, in Minnesota, that is even more <laughs> profound and real. <laughs> And I really celebrate it. I remember when I first moved here, I was I was a transplant and uh, went as a newlywed. And there was a point when I realized that that um, my kind of unplugging and hibernating there was there's a collective community sort of agreement. <laughs> there aren't going to be a lot of dinner parties now. Usually, this happens in January, um, but there's a a time in the winter where you are not much is expected of you. You are. Um, you are going to be inside drinking more hot tea and watching more movies and reading books and just sort of like laying low. And uh, the winter forces that on you. And in a way, um, now for me, the December still tends to be a little bit nutty because like she said, our, we, our, just our expectations around Christmas have, have just been so ratcheted up. Um, but at some point in the year and usually imperfectly in December, um, yeah, this this song is just touching on that. Uh, we're we're all waiting for things. We're all longing we, again to the word longing, but we're all mm-hmm. longing for things to break loose or to be resolved or to be reconciled or that 
that argument to come to an end. And so in this song, I'm touching on the little things from waiting in a line to waiting for um, this relationship to heal, you know, and, but all of us are in this place. Um, uh, John Orkberg calls that spiritual formation. You know, he says, put yourself in, in the longest line <laughs> at the grocery store. And he calls that spiritual formation. And I think there is something really beautiful happening when we kind of lean into it a little bit and say, okay, I am going to recognize all the things I'm waiting for and, and just sort of hold them up and, and yes. uh, be there. When I first heard this, that was exactly what I thought. What are, you, what are you waiting for? What am I waiting for today? This is Sarah Gross. From the album Joy of Every Longing Heart, there's a little bit of We Wait by Sarah Groves, and you'll hear more straight ahead on Moody Radio. Thanks for joining us for Chris Fabry Live, online at chrisfabrylive.org. Don't call us today. Our program's pre-recorded. This is a conversation with Sarah Groves from last year, last November. I also want to tell you, though, we do have a phone number that's working, 866-95-FABRY, and that is the number you can call to give a gift to this program to keep us going. Hey, uh, December is almost coming down to the end, and we have a special thank you right now. The president of Moody Bible Institute wrote a little book titled, What Now? How to Move into Your Next Season. And if you want to move past your fear and all the questions and the spiritual stagnation that a lot of people are feeling, then move into the call of God on your life by reading What Now? by Dr. Mark Job. You can give a gift by calling 866-95-FABRY or go to chrisfabrylive.org. Do that today. We'd love to have your support, chrisfabrylive.org. Back to the program from last November, and here's a call from John and Mary. John, why did you call to talk to Sarah Groves today? I promised myself I wouldn't get choked up, but I've been here listening to the program for a while, <laughs> and it's kind of difficult to do. Um, we have shared several Christmases uh, over the years together, including the first Christmas uh, in a chapel called God's House of Hope, uh, in a federal prison in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. Um, her, go on, Sarah. Hi, John. <laughs> it's Hi. it's so good to hear your voice. <laughs> Hi, Mary. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> I feel like it's an old home week. I feel I, like you I know the the Christmas tree is we there. We know and... her grand. Yeah, we know her grandparents and her great grandparents. I was in prison ministry with Sam. <laughs> wow. Yes, my first yep. my first Christmas. So I was born in September tenth, nineteen seventy two, and that December, my mom smuggled me into the federal medical prison under her coat, which would never happen now. But she brought me into their um, the service that my granddad uh, and my great grandmother ran at the federal medical prison. And John was there. It was his first Christmas as a believer. And I was yep. there, I was at the back of the room under my mom's coat, and as my great-grandmother told the Christmas story, um, I started to cry at the back, and my mom said all the inmates just stood up and came and gathered around. It was like a makeshift nativity, my mom and my dad, and, and my just, uh, I was four months old. And so we've stayed in touch over the years, John and Mary, and my grandparents are very, we're very close friends. And, uh, but yeah, I, we were just talking, Chris, off, off. Uh, line about my grandfather Lloyd, and this right. is the same grandfather mm -hmm. that um, 
was a big part of uh, John's life. And um, yeah, it's a neat story. Oh, and yeah, Mary. John, John, tell me yeah. that story. What, what did Lloyd mean to you? What did his input in your life mean? Uh, he was, uh, at first, I've, I even told Mary that God, when, when I met Mom Carter, Sarah's great-grandmother, the first thing she said was that God had a plan for my life, and I resisted that. And, uh, you know, if he had a plan for me, it was just going to be more, you know, punishment, you know, because I knew who I was. Um, and I met Mary the next day in the school, and ultimately, over three days, she told me God could change my life. And that's what God did. God changed my life. I didn't understand Christianity but I watched Lloyd over the years, and he was, the word genuine comes to mind. Uh, he was genuine. He constantly came, because there was a time that, you know, I thought these people were coming in from the outside to shine their halos on our tarnished lives, mm. and, but that's not what they were about. And uh, Lloyd and Nita uh, were just constant, and they didn't, back in those days, in the 70s, they didn't just come in on church Sunday night. They came, Mom Carter did a Bible study on Monday. Lloyd came Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for Yoke Fellow meetings. Uh, and then he and Lloyd, um, Bert Pierce, started a Sunday night hymn thing. Uh, that was, you know, I mean, so we had church in that prison. Yeah, uh, you did. We sure I did. love hearing from you, too. And, and, and it's it's almost like, we are getting a peek into your lives, John and Mary, and how it intersected with Sarah Groves. And then here's here comes Lloyd. Now, I I mentioned to Sarah that I was going to do this because back in the summer I we did a whole program on a song that she wrote on I think it was Floodplain is the album. It's called My Dream, and I want you to hear a little bit of this and then get the story from Sarah Groves. This is toward the end of the song, My Dream, Sarah Groves from Floodplain. All right, Sarah, tell me, Lloyd, tell me where he gave that song to you. Oh, yeah. So we were at Christmas. My grandfather, um, he is um, my, he would be my number one exemplar in life. Um, sorry. It stirs up a lot talking to John and Mary because, um, they knew him really well and uh, and loved him, have loved him well. Uh, he, we lost him last year, um, September, and so I'm coming up on the second Christmas uh, without without Granddad. But um, he was one of a kind. Uh, but you know, when you have someone uh, who can't hear very well, they're trying to join in on conversations. Well, he couldn't hear very well at the end of his life, and I think he was probably around 91. He passed away at 95, but. And 91 years old, we were all at the Christmas table. And so he would just have to like launch into a story speaking very loudly, you know, to kind of get in there because the family's talking. And so, um, and we would all, as soon as he started talking, we would all get quiet. We wanted to hear from him always because he just had so much, many good things to impart. Um, so he just started saying, um, we're all kind of talking. And he said, you know, lately, um, as the, as it gets dark in the house, and he and my grandmother live, and she's still there in their ho- in their home at ninety six. Um, and he said, as the house gets dark, I'm just beset with doubt. And he said, I just I my mind is full with all this uh, turmoil and what ha- did 
what have I done? And did I do it well? And, um, you know, did I pursue the right things? And, and, uh, was I too melancholy? And he's hit, he dealt with, you know, uh, his own battles and things. And, and so he said, I, I am beset with doubt. And he said, but as I lay my head on the pillow at night, um, he said, I have this waking dream. And he said, it's not a vision. It's not, I'm not asleep yet, but I just have this picture in my mind that I'm walking up the street and the father is at the end of the driveway. He's waiting for me. And he said, and I can tell by his movement that he's not angry. And he said, that's the way I have fallen asleep for the last six months, year. I can't remember what it was, but that's the way I've been falling asleep. And my thoughts, two thoughts. First of all, thank you, Jesus, for a granddad who tells me that at 91 or however old he was at the time, that he still is beset with doubt. Um, thank you that he he's that transparent to share that. And then thank you, Jesus, for comforting my granddad when he is feeling this and, you know, towards the end of his life, this shadow come uh, that you would give him this image and comfort him in that way. And so the song, I felt like it wrote itself and they went out to the car after the meal. My aunt Claudia, um, we were standing in the kitchen. I said, Claudia, did you hear that? And and we were both crying, we were both emotional. And she said, yes. And then he was the driveway God to me. He was the driveway father to me. And mm -hmm. um, and he had waited for her in a really beautiful way. And um, and so he was that to hundreds of people. Um, he loved well. He saw right to your, the, the Imago day in you. And he, uh, he wasn't stingy in that way ever. Um, he, he loved people well and so, and made people feel valuable. And so, um, it, the story spoke so much and I thought, this is a song already. I don't need to even touch it. And <laughs> it's almost verbatim what he said to us that day. I, I love that. And let me, uh, take the liberty of putting what you just said together with something that John just said. And he's, he basically said, God knows who you are. God knows who, you know, those people came in here and I thought they were going to shine their holy light and tell us how bad they knew. I knew who I was, you know, I know who I am. And maybe you're listening today and you say, I know who I am and I'm not like these people. And, you know, God couldn't love me. God knows who you are. Yeah. And he's waiting at the end of the driveway and he's not angry at you. <laughs> Yeah. He's not angry at you. He doesn't want to pour out his wrath on you because he gave himself, you know, Emmanuel came to, took on flesh and walked among us because he's not angry at you anymore. And he wants you to come home. Come on up the driveway. Come home to him. Receive the love that he has for you into your life and live in light of that forgiveness and that mercy and love so that not only do you receive it, but you give it then to other people, just like Grandpa Lloyd did. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. More with Sarah Groves straight ahead. What a great conversation with Sarah Groves today at the Radio Backyard Fence. Our program's pre-recorded. Don't call us. But if you want to support what we do, I say often, we can't do what we do without you. And it's true. Uh, we cannot keep on going and doing what we're doing without support of people who say, hey, 
I appreciate what you're doing. So if you want to be a Backfence friend and give a gift or be a Backfence partner, give a gift each month, you can do that. Go to the website. You can find out more. Do that today, chrisfabrylive.org, or call our number, 866-95-FABRY. Thanks for your support, especially here at the end of the year in December. Go to chrisfabrylive.org or call us at 866-95-FABRY. When you go to the website, you'll see Joy of Every Longing Heart by Sarah Groves. I've been looking forward to having this conversation for a long time. She's been, for the last 20 years, she's been singing songs, writing songs, to name and explore the many tensions of a life of faith. And you can read more about her and about the album. There's You do a winter wonderland thing, but you changed. I noticed that you changed instead of uh, Parson Brown, the, the naming the, <laughs> the snowman. What, you changed it to yeah. something. Well, I picked the snowman. So there are two times it breaks away to that. Um, In the meadow, we will build a snowman or Parson Brown. But I wanted the song to be about Troy and I, and we're not newlyweds. So I took out the the Parson Brown and opted for the the kids knocking over the the snowman. And and in its place, I put in a a final um, shout out to St. Paul. In St. Paul, snowy weather makes us huddle together uh, so that the song would be about my my beau, Troy and I walking here in St. Paul. And it's just, a, it genuinely is a winter wonderland. And um, again, I go, I go to Texas, I go anywhere South and they'll, they'll spend a lot of time telling me that they could never live where I live, but <laughs> <laughs> you probably get that in Chicago a bit, but um, yeah. So I, I love it here. I love the snow. I love winter. Like I said, the hibernation, the rhythms of it. Um, it's, it's been good to me. It's interesting because because I that we broadcast from Chicago. I live in Tucson now, or near Tucson. Oh, and it is such a <laughs> wildly different thing than in the Midwest. I grew up in West Virginia, and we'd have all these deciduous trees. And here, they literally put a little red hat on cactus. You know, that, yes. that's as <laughs> that's as Christmassy <laughs> as they get. But there, I don't care where you go. You can go to the desert, or you can go to the the wintriest place. The meaning behind it is the same. The lights, the the tinsel, the glitter, you know, you can either go toward the uh, – yeah just the surfacey things or you can go down deep. And there is this melancholy that comes over me every year at about this time for the last month. And part of that is the question that we're asking here today is that am I really, do I really believe what I'm hearing? Do I believe what I'm saying or singing about the come thou long expected Jesus? Do I really believe that the consolation has come, that that God meant it? And, Mm -hmm. And you sing that every time. Yes, every, every season. And I think to let it really sink in, you started this program out so beautifully with one of my favorite ideas. And that is every man has said in his heart that he is God. Every single one of us, even my, the family dog says, it. (laughs) if I were God, I would, if I were in charge, I'd be doing things differently. Then here God comes and he doesn't consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but instead humbles himself, thinks of others more highly than himself. So what, what is happening is so every single heart has a tendency to power over to take and grab what I want, you know, to uh, meet these desires this way. And then here God himself, the first time he really like shows us, this is what, this is who I am. Uh, it's so different than anything that 
that we're about and uh, it's so other. And I think that's what I, that's what I, when you say, do I believe in this? Um, that's what I really cling to is that otherness of Jesus that he, um, he's so beautifully, uh, different and he challenges then my kind of the way that I go about things. And so, yeah, it is, um, it, there is a melancholy in that dissonance, you know, am I, am I getting that? Am I letting that transform me? Yes. And, and I judge so much the people in Israel 2000 years ago, you know, the the shepherds, I like them and I like the angels that are singing outside, but those religious leaders, people weren't expecting the thing that happened there. Simeon and Anna, you know, they recognized it, but the people, the leaders didn't expect it. And I wonder if I don't see my own self in them or I need to see myself in them, right? Absolutely. We're all in the soup. (laughs) We're all in the soup. Yeah. We're all waiting. It is a great pleasure to get to talk with you today. Thanks for putting this album together. Thanks for playing the piano so beautifully. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for letting me come and talk about it. It's just a treat. Joy of Every Longing Heart is the new album by Sarah Groves. You can find it at chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. This last song has a, it's almost like a Thomas Newman. It's got that feel to it. But the the words will ring very, very loudly in your soul if you allow them. Let our gladness have no end. Here's Sarah Groves. Prophesied in days of old, see the loveliest blooming rose into flesh is made the word Hallelujah. This is a a rich album from Sarah Groves, and that's Let Our Gladness Have No End. God bless you, friend. Thanks a lot for listening today to Chris Fabry Live. Go to the website. We have her new album linked there, Joy of Every Longing Heart. And may your heart be warmed by our conversation here today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Chris Fabry Live, a production of Moody Radio a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.